Hello, and welcome to the Artificial Podcast, with your host Nick Myers. Artificial Intelligence. Voice Recognition. Machine Learning. Robotic. Actionable Analytics. It is Nick's goal to help everyone understand how AI and voice technology are reshaping our lives both personally and within organizations. Your glimpse into the growing world of AI and voice first starts now. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Welcome to the Artificial Podcast. My name is Nick Myers, and I am here to help break down topics in artificial intelligence and voice first to show everyone how these technologies are going to impact our lives both personally and within organizations. The Artificial Podcast is brought to you by Red Fox AI, helping give brands a voice to the power of AI and voice assistant technology. Hey, Artificial Podcasters, welcome back to another week and another episode of the Artificial Podcast. My name is Nick Myers, and this week I am joined by Rafiki Kai, who I was lucky enough to meet at the Project Voice conference back in January of this year. And I tell you what, I've met some insanely cool people in my life, but Rafiki, I think, takes the cake with all of the amazing things that he's working on and has worked on, and I'm really excited for him to be able to, to share what he's been working on with everybody in this podcast. So before Rafiki and I start chatting, here is a bit about Rafiki Kai. He is a veteran technologist of over 25 years with a proven commitment to the empowerment of communities through the democratization of technology, particularly through comprehension, cultural affinity, and access. His tech career has spanned from journalists covering the nascent World Wide Web for national media to co-founder of a Washington, D.C.-based technology 501c3 organization. He has been a sought-out and trusted technology architect from Capitol Hill to Hollywood to Silicon Valley. He currently serves as CTO of the NGO Friends of the Congo. In that capacity, it is his charge to serve as a technology ambassador, accessing resources and building relationships on behalf of everyday people in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Rafiki, welcome to the Artificial Podcast. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. And like, wow, I'm, I'm in the insanely cool group. Like this feels like, <laughs> like I like got, got a Grammy or something. <laughs> well, I mean, the work you're doing is incredible, which is why I'm, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I mean, I, there, there's so much we can talk about and I know we're, really going to have so much time to be able to dive into some things. But yeah, I'm, I'm just super happy to be able to have a, a good conversation with you. Cool. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here for sure. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, there, every time I go to conferences, I always feel like I'm able to network and connect with some really cool people working on some really cool things. And you, you very much happen to be one of those people at Project Voice. So, um, but, but first and foremost, I think we can kick, things off here and I, I always just like kind of getting an idea of, of how you got to where you are so you know what led you to get started in the tech industry that ultimately led you into the voice space and ultimately your current work with friends of the congo wow so that's a very interesting um question that i'll give a little bit of background about myself concisely so actually i came to tech from social work and ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, I am fourth generation of, of, of minister or spiritual leader 
in my family, um, starting with my great-grandfather, who was a um, minister and pastor in Annapolis, Maryland, and I myself spent several years in the, uh, active in the pulpit, pulpit before my theological wings just got too big and I had to go, <laughs> go, do, something, go do something different, right? Yeah. But I, br- I brought that spirit of, of helping and uplifting and empowering people mm-hmm. right with me into my new profession choice. And I used to joke back in the early days with people that um, I just switched over and I'm preaching a digital gospel now. Right? Love it, yes. People, <laughs> people would find that quite interesting. Digital gospel. Okay, Rafiki. And I, I think that part of what happened was um, back at the dawn of the web, the, the Los Angeles Times was doing a great job of of covering like this this thing this trend that was mm-hmm. on the horizon that was going to happen and i caught wind of some of those articles and it resonated with me and i was like whoa this is going to be big just intuitively right and this is and, this is the the web like the internet right 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 yep. right the world wide web and and to show you how providence can sometimes align things right I was residing in Tacoma Park, Maryland, and in the D.C. area, and fell into the company of a number of mentors who actually had worked on DARPAnet, right? They had, like, yeah, right? So they had, like, security (laughs) clearances, right? Oh, my gosh. They knew knew all about what the L.A. Times was talking about, Yeah, right, yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Right. And so what mentors to have, right? Because, you know, they were just watching go public what they had already been like on on for years, right? And those guys took me under their wings, man, and together they kind of poured into me their DARPANET expertise as we all watched this worldwide web, this public thing happened and you know it didn't happen all at once initially we were just all on a bunch of bulletin boards just thinking right. we were doing something right <laughs> like wow. shooting tech back and forth right and so when browsers came dude we were in a state of shock <laughs> we were just like yeah oh like what the and then when like search engines came we were like dude like Oh, this is crazy. Just right? to see the evolution of all that, I'm sure, from yes, working yes. so early in it. Exactly. So to go from bulletin boards to browsers to search engines to flash to Windows Media to real audio, it's kind of like you could just step through the chronology. There. Yeah, that's incredible. Like all this, yeah, cold fusion and like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but, but all the time. I, I still was doing that minister thing, right? I was mm-hmm. running around all around DC telling people, if you don't have a, a email, you got to get an email account. And, you know, just trying to really explain what was going down. Yeah. And I have people come up to me to this day and say, man, you was trying to tell us way back then that That's this awesome. thing was going to be big, right? And it always just tickles me. And I, and I have to tell like a quick story. So like early in, 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 in um, 
my technologist career, I was fortunate enough to have as, as what it was myself and, and my, my dear comrade, who's more like a brother, Maurice mm -hmm. Carney, who's the executive director of the um, Friends of the Congo, which I'm sure we'll get around to um, speaking. And so it's Maurice that has really pulled me into this Congo work. But he and I were partners in crime back then before we were doing Friends of the Congo. Our, our entity was called Digital Freedom. So we had the Digital Freedom Institute, which mm -hmm. was the 501c3, and we had Digital Freedom Enterprise, which was how we paid our bills, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, we were fortunate to have as one of our first clients, the Reverend Jesse Jackson. Right? Wow. And, yeah. Oh my, about, oh, my God. Right. And this is in the early days, right? That's incredible. This is in the early days, right? So this is just a lot. Because we were like, to others, we were like prophets, man. We were like so far ahead of other people. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Knew, we just knew what was going on, right? Other yeah. people were just like, what the heck is happening? What's going on, right? And so, man, when we got Rev started, man, sometimes we would be in the back of an event. We would just be rolling because he hadn't perfected it yet. But he had caught like what we were sharing with him on a daily basis, mm -hmm. right? And he would be on the microphone and he would say something like, And if you don't have a WWW, you better get one. And we would just be <laughs> falling. <laughs> we were in the back just Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Was, but he got media, right? So right. when we showed him that we could live webcast him every Saturday from Operation Push headquarters in Chicago that we could take him live on the uh, on the World Wide Web. Uh -huh. And man, we, we, we were his best friends, man, because we was like giving him like a media channel, right? And Maurice and I kind of like laughed because we said, man, what well, we were making a living on back in the day, anybody with Facebook can do the same thing right, right. now. But back then, man, we were like wizards to people. Like, man, That's these amazing. cats come in with computers and they get you live on the web, man. Like, it, was like, it was like magic for people back then. That sounds like, so, that's yeah. just, I can only imagine that just must have been an incredible feeling, though, to know that you were making such an impact that early on. And you were, you were looked at like that. Like you said, you were looked at like a wizard because you were bringing this futuristic, almost untouchable technology that a lot of people, I'm sure, saw it as around that time and you were you were bringing it to them that's amazing yeah yeah and it was it was rough and tumble because we had reverend reverend jackson we had the congressional black caucus foundation wow we had tavis smiley all at the same time man oh my so gosh. we were just like we were crisscrossing the country like crazy men man okay you officially <laughs> have like, one of the coolest stories ever <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's awesome. And to think back on those days, man, what I gotta tell you this one of the most fulfilling moments, man. So Tavis was like Reverend Jackson. Once he got it, he was like he was on it and rolling, right? And right. so we actually did this multiple city tour called Blacks and Technology, right? And you know, you know t-sponsor microsoft and it was an expo kind of thing and it was just like you know top shelf man convention centers and that kind of thing and man when we landed in la i'll never forget on a saturday morning 
the comedian Sinbad was the keynote um, speaker on a Saturday morning, the place was packed to talk about technology. And I was like, whoa, like, you know, I, on Sunday morning, I've been in a whole bunch of that yeah. places on a Sunday morning, right? But on a Saturday morning, to have a, a, a venue packed because people had come out to hear about technology and to have the tech, you know, the talented comedian Sinbad be actually doing his thing, who was like really a techie, man, like Sinbad. I would never had, like, think a, that. Yeah, he had like a silicone graphic um unit in his house like way back in wow. the day. He was like a, he was like SGIs. And another person who people would probably never guess was a is a real techie, Martha Stewart, man. Martha Stewart will actually tell you, man, that she Wait, you met like, Martha Stewart too? Well, you know, when you're rolling with Reverend Jackson, man. <laughs> oh, my like, like, <laughs> Rafiki, oh my gosh. Rafiki, oh my gosh. Dude, you you liable to me, and, and this is a funny piece, and this happened much much more recently, like maybe like four years ago, where um Martha Stewart and Reverend Jackson was on a panel together. It was like just wow. the two of them. It was something like Social Media Week in New York, right? And those two were on a panel, man. And and Martha Stewart was repping for her tech. Preds, man she was like breaking down <laughs> oh like, I, like like how she was like one of the first owners of like you know a computer unit when it was like costly like you know this was like pre-pc yeah. days right like yeah man she reps for her on tech threads man it's like the most amazing thing to hear her uh, tell that story man so yeah that you you have hands like I said you hands down you have have one of the coolest stories and and journeys that I've heard I think and I you know I've talked to a lot of people and everybody's journey is incredible but some of the stuff that you've gotten to do and some of the people that you were able to interact with so early on is is just incredible I'm like sitting here my mouth is still like open with all these people that you got to work on technology with so early I mean wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was, it was quite a ride, man. Well, and, and one of my questions was, you know, what has been one of your most fascinating experiences to date? But I feel like you just dove into so many from working with Jesse Jackson and the Congressional Black Caucus to Martha Stewart and all this different stuff. Like, wow. That's... And being one of the, one of the early um, tech contributors to Black Enterprise Magazine, right? So as it turns out, like, you know, the senior management at um, Black Enterprise at that time was almost like straight out of Rutgers, man. <laughs> like like wow. one of them had been on, you know, the school newspaper with me at Rutgers. Another was a fraternity brother. And another was like, you know, remembered me from Rutgers. So it was almost like there was a whole slice of top management at Black Enterprise magazine that was straight out of Rutgers. And these cats, man, would be like calling me in DC, like, Rafiki, what about this? And what about, I'm like, dude, like, 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 you know, like, you guys gotta like stop paying me or something, man. So it turned out, I just became a contributing uh, writer, man. And I'll tell you, Nick, it was one of the most, like, one of the advantages that I am most grateful for, because back at that time, there were no courses that you could take, man. This thing was being built like day by day, yeah. week by week, month by month. 
So the best education that you could have was to have press credentials so that any and every tech conference you wanted to attend, boom, you just show up with the best credentials. And I say the best credentials because you get to get in front of anybody and ask questions because that's your job. Right. And there's like food and telephones and computers in the press room, man. It was like it was like wow. living a life, right? And this is like back in the day when people were still shipping um software in a box, man. Man, I would just have boxes of software in my office, man. Windows ninety-five. Like, <laughs> like, you know, man, Windows ninety-five was what turned me around from the map world, man. Cause I come from a family, man. Well, we actually have like family photos, man, of like six or seven mats, like all wow. like, all sitting on the on the uh, on the living room couch, man. Like all of the apples just lit up, and like you know the whole nine, man. Yeah. Windows ninety five was was my conversion because that that GUI was just so close to what you know an Apple user would would be um familiar with man so yeah man it's um it's been a storied ride it's been a story ride. i'm trying to recreate that kind of thing though with this voice well yeah it sounds like it absolutely well and, and you know that kind of you know now that we i I've, I've been able to learn more of course about your incredible journey and, and we've gone through that you know i guess my my next question what i'm curious about is is what interests you most about voice assistant technology and the opportunities associated with it. Because of, of course, now it, it sounds like you were such a believer in the early days of the internet. And now we see how that For boomed. Sure. And, For you know, sure. as, as we kind of gone through mobile and social media, your eyes are set on voice. So, you know, what interests you the most about it and, and what we can potentially do with it and the opportunities? So I'll say the theoretical and the experiential. And what I mean by that is theoretically speaking, I see this thing as, voice is really the user interface to AI, mm-hmm. right? So I see conversational voice as really the birth of like the AI age for the masses, the same way that Netscape was like the birth of like, you know, the visual, you know, visual web for the world. That right? is a really I, good I, way to think about it. I haven't yeah, actually thought about it that way. That yes, yeah, I agree with right, you completely. Right, right. So now we turn voice into the browser, right? And the browser made all the difference in the world, in the birth of the world wide web. And now this whole voice browser is making all the difference in the world in terms of this this new semantic web that that we're birthing, right? Yeah, but the AI engine, and, and data right, just but, everywhere. Right. But the engine underneath it is AI, right? So if you were to say to people, AI, 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 people would be kind of, you know, like, you know, that's for geeks and blah, blah, blah. But if you say voice, that totally disarms them, right? So that's my, my theoretical framework on it. And then to see it, right? To see how everyday people, man, my aunt, man, my aunt is like 70-something. She's like, Alexa, play my music. Right? I love it. No. That's <laughs> right? awesome. Right? So when you see your aunt, like, just, like, you know, rolling with something. And, of course, my, my sister, man, who um went to Rutgers as well, right? She's just, she's just like, all, all over the place, man. She's just, like, bro. You know what I'm saying? So to see just all around you people just embracing it smoothly with, like, with little hiccups, 
hiccups, right? And here is the kicker for $30. People yep. are being brought onto this semantic web for $30. Come it's on, crazy. man. It's and we so could have got people on the it. World Wide Web back in the mid-90s for $30. Man, we could have sped this thing up. Oh, like, my gosh. Real, I, like, yeah. like, real fast, right? Right. So when, when you look at it through that kind of lens, the ease of use, right? All someone has to do is open their mouth, and they are plugging into the endless oceans of information as processed, filtered, and presented by AI, how could you not like see that as a technologist and say like, whoa, here we go. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And uh, you know, I, I, I get on my futurist chair a lot too, because <laughs> I, I think about just all of the different capabilities that of course, not only voice can bring to the table, but again, when you really start driving into the artificial intelligence behind it, it just turns so incredible. You know, I really hope that in my lifetime, I get to see where I can just walk down a hallway or walk into any building or even in my own home, just use a computer with conversational AI because everything is integrated. Everything integrates with voice technology and can function and operate like the graphical interface computers that we have today and get you even more information and then start predicting different things about you to make your life that much easier. That, that's really Jetson stuff, of course, but that's, that's truly what, what I hope that will will happen from this this boom that's happening with voice and ai combined so i i think you and jetson is coming fast man jetson is coming fast in this day and age man so because we're in the age of convergence right Mm -hmm. and so there are technologies that have been under development for 30 to 40 years like multiple technologies and now those things are like coming online at the same time it's really, right. so it's, it's so interesting when you think about like, how did it line up so perfectly like this in a way where all of these pieces of emerging tech that can integrate seamlessly with one another are, are, are coming to the forefront here. It's so fascinating. It is fascinating. And it's just like, you know, one of those kind of things, right? And we, we can't really, really predict when quantum is going to come online. But man, imagine 5G plus quantum Oh my plus gosh. Con- right. Plus conversational AI, right? Plus new energy sources. That's what Man. I'm saying. Interstellar space travel. We'll get there. <laughs> okay, well, then, now, that's Jetson. That's, I'm going to leave that to you, futurists. Man, I'm like, I don't know about that one yet. I'll just stay like grounded on the on the planet doing this voice thing while you all um, hang out with uh, Elon and Starlink and, and so forth. <laughs> No, I, I think that that is an incredible perspective on this, and it, it makes so much sense when, again, we, you think about the integrations that, that voice allows us to have specifically with technology like AI and, and even just other pieces of technology, like just simpler integrations with mobile, simpler integrations with computers as we know them today, and, and just so many different things. So I think you're spot on, but transitioning a bit more now, so... I know, of course, you you told me a bit about the work that you're doing with Friends of the Congo. So I I don't know, maybe if you want to just explain a bit more about the work that you're trying to accomplish with Friends of the Congo and and more or less, how do you think voice assistant technology can empower people in in the DRC through your work? Wow, man, that's a real, real big question. So, wow, how mm, how do I even put my head around? So one of the first things that I see 
right? In the spirit of mechanical Turk, right? Because it's all about, should I say, realignment and, and reflowing of resources, right? Mm-hmm. So, so people on the other side of the spectrum, sure, you know, they, they, they need moral support and they need encouragement. They need resources too. Right, <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Life goes a little bit better with, with resources, right? So how I'm looking at this thing is imagine if I can like embrace a cohort of girls and women in the Congo, right? Mm-hmm. And bring them, even if it's on the entry level, into this conversational AI design and deployment right? Where from the Congo, they can really, really amass a set of skills that allows them to work in mature economies around the world, Mm -hmm. right? That changes life, man. Absolutely. That that changes life. So if they become any level of a conversational AI technician or designer or employer, they can tap revenue and earn in a way that changes families, right? So that is definitely one of the visions I had. In the early days when we were running Digital Freedom Institute, we actually, Maurice and I would um, crisscross the country and with the help of like a number of telecom foundations, right? We would actually establish internet training centers right, like find locations, partner with organizations, buy equipment, pay for broadband, develop curriculum, hire instructors, so that people wow. had a place where they could come and learn and use and, and really, really have it demystified and have themselves be encouraged that you can participate in this as well. And it's that, that same playbook that I'm looking to implement in the voice era, do the same digital freedom empowerment type of um, play, particularly just with um, constituents in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and and as well, probably um, Puerto Rico. I personally am moving back to Puerto Rico, so you always, you know, are going to live and, you know, do what you do where you live. Right. So, yeah, Puerto Rico and, and, and who knows if, if time and broadband and energy permit, try to look at, you know, some work in, in Haiti and um, the Bahamas, places that have been like slammed and hit and are, are, are really, really struggling. But definitely uh, serving as CTO of the Friends of the Congo organization, I definitely will be implementing those those visions on behalf of people in the in the DRC. Well, and I just, I, I can't tell you enough how, how much, one, I, I appreciate that you are willing to, to take up this charge and, and do this because that, you know, that is, like you said, a life-changing thing for so many people to be able to do this. And I, I mean, it's, what, what I have found, and I've been thinking about this more, is as you look through the history of these different pieces of technology, that we've created, and, and I like to refer to them in, in air quotes as tools, but there's, it almost seems like, you know, it's still, depending on how it evolves and is deployed, it still segments a group of people, if you know what I mean, where these technologies are incredible, 
and we build them to help us solve problems, but sometimes they're not democratized enough to the people that need them most and they don't have access. So especially with the technology like voice that is so ubiquitous and can integrate with so many things that you have set a goal and are taking up a charge to bring this to people and change lives and help them become a part of this technological evolution, I think is just incredible work. And I, I just, I can't echo that enough. I think it's, it's incredible because it needs to happen. And especially when we look at a technology like AI, we've seen already what happens in some instances when it is segmented and fed wrong data and how it can marginalize people instead of help people. So I exactly. think with the work that you're doing here, that is so needed and it, it is just incredible. And I want to throw in one, one small example. So it's not only just about training girls and women in, in the Congo so that they can do mechanical work, Turk style work for foreign, you know, markets, right? Mm-hmm. But I think but one of the nuggets um, from the voice, Project Voice in, in, in Chattanooga, where you and I both attended, there was a, a, a doctor who's heading up the team that's building a conversational AI EHR for Vanderbilt University Hospital, right? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the interesting things she pointed out in, in her presentation is that current EHRs are really no more sophisticated than digitized filing cabinets. Yep. Right, right, right. right? Yep. It was really, really kind of like shocking when, when she said that, right? And so imagine, and, and here's another example. I'll do two examples at once. So that digitized filing cabinet scenario, right? And I know for a fact, my colleagues that are on the ground and, 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 and do empowerment work in the health sciences tell me that even though Cuba trains doctors, thousands of doctors and sends doctors like all over the world to serve and tend to people, right there in Cuba, you can find clinicians who are writing patient notes in the notebook. <laughs> writing patient notes in a notebook it spins my head oh, it spins yeah. my head right so even if you were to take even their their written notes in a notebook and 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 be able to have them transcribe that into even like google docs or google you know, anything that is searchable because my right. main my main thing like dude we can't search what you wrote in the notebook no like, and you can't like, keep track of it and it's liable right, you know right, to exactly, be exactly. stolen and we're talking, right we're talking help or, or destroyed or lost yep. right if the destroyed rain's gone the floods man right you like that that's gone right and so we're talking like voice being able to serve in very meaningful kinds of ways where information can be readily accessible to serve communities. One of the things going to these voice conferences, I I attended something at Harvard Medical School called um, Voice Voice of Health, right? And it was pointing out about how much time clinicians actually spend in screens and distracted from the interaction of actual patient care mm-hmm. or patient interaction because they, you know, they got to go into the EHR before the client comes. Right. So like, you know, you know, and then they got to like, if, if they have a question, they got to search through the EHR while the client is there. And then when the, um, when the patient leaves, they got to go back to the screen to put information in. That sounds prehistoric when we know what is possible now 
at the simple power of voice. When did I last see patient X? What was their weight? What is their weight today that they on demand in with the, on the, on, just boom, speaking, right? Just like simple situations like that, man. And imagine not only Vanderbilt and Harvard being able to get that kind of efficiency, but also the Democratic Republic of the Congo or Cuba or the Bahamas or Haiti or Dominica or wherever have you. And that that is exciting because we're talking like people's voice. And another thing that that was a nugget, and, and Adam Shire, if he was in on this conversation, right, he would probably ditto this. One of the nuggets that fell out at the Project Voice event was the Google Keynote presenter who spoke about in India, where people are being able to use feature phones and mm -hmm. dial into Google Assistant, right? And, yep. and not even like you need a smart, smart speaker. That's a shot for the democratization. If we can just get the cloud centers set up and blend the PSTN with like with these cloud centers, then people can even just use a feature phone to dial in and, and still have access to yep. you know the the AI efficiency of, of data data access. That's that's exciting. Absolutely. And that actually kind of goes into the follow-up question that I wanted to ask is, is what is your vision for the democratization, you know, in a broad sense technology, but specifically voice assistant tech and, and how do you think that can best be achieved? And of course you just kind of brought up the feature phone example, but are there any other ways that you think this could be democratized effectively so that everybody, no matter where you are, has access to this? So when I um, was working and, and teaching at the University of San Francisco, right? <laughs> my students would tell you that my number one like, mantra was open source. Like no student ever walked out of any of my classes not having an appreciation for what open source can mean to the yep, world. Absolutely. And so and so I it, it will be with every breath that I draw my mantra that in the voice space, we need the equivalent and must have the equivalent of a Linux or an Android, right? And I'm yep. not throwing shade at, at, at Amazon, I'm not throwing shade at, at, at Google, but you know, Android does not necessarily throw shade at iOS. Right. It just makes a whole lot of other things you know, um, possible you know, a lot more players, a lot more boats to come in. So we definitely need open source platform resources and tools in this voice space so that there can be that true kind of collaboration, access, innovation, and, and democratization that goes on in, in a way that really, really gets pushed along with, with open source. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And, you know, of course, the, again, on my end too, nothing against Amazon, Google, Apple, any of them, but, you know, from a business model, of, of course, they would strive to make it more of a closed system because then they can control it and they can, you know, control more of their revenue. Absolutely. But 
it, truthfully, how the technology needs to evolve, and much kind of like how the internet did, even though, of course, you know, we have ISPs and different things like that. But for the most right. part, you know, the goal of the internet was to make it accessible to everybody. And for the most part, for the most part, I throw in air, air quotes, it is, of course, there's still areas of, of the world and, and even here in the US where people don't have quality access to the internet. But for the most part, people can get access to that. And I think when we look at voice technology, there needs to be even more access to that. Because like you said, it is the interface into every other technology is the interface into a semantic network that ultimately will integrate with the internet at the end of the day anyhow. So I think more focus than even the internet and any other technology that has come before voice, the focus needs to be on access and democratization and open source, because if it isn't, it's going to continue to just evolve in ways that aren't considering different demographics, different populations of people, and there's going to be problems from that. So I agree with you completely that, that it needs to and, be open source and stay that way, hopefully. And, and here is one thing that we should always consider, right? Intellect, innovation, and creativity are like currencies in their own right, right? And so because people might have meager printed currency does not mean that they're not wealthy in exactly. other currencies, right? And so democratizing and expanding, right, and, and promoting inclusion, right, has its own built-in benefit. It's not, it's not a one-directional kind of proposition, right, because who knows, we, we could put on the next genius who can make a contribution that like really, really helps to catalyze, right? Just because people don't have silver and gold does not mean that they don't have like, you know, creativity Absolutely. and innovation and, and genius. And probably they have a little bit more yeah. than, than, than those of us who are in the lap of, of, of comfort and, and privilege and not to say anything against comfort, but when you are up against it, trust me, it sharpens like it oh, yeah. sharpens your 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 faculty, right? Absolutely. And it makes you it makes you create creative. And so some of that creativeness or creativity can just be brought right on over to another canvas and let loose and, and given the opportunity to participate. Well, right. And when you're typically when you're up against challenges, it drives you to be better. It drives you sure. to be more creative, drives you to overcome those challenges, which ultimately breeds more innovation. And, you know, I, exactly. I agree with you completely. If you're, I, I use the word complacent here, but if you, you don't necessarily have to be up against any challenges per se, there is going to be less of a, a I guess, a payoff to be innovative and try and overcome something because you just, you're just not facing that. So I agree with you that I think people who are up against more challenges tend to definitely be more innovative and have a greater drive to because they have to right there's, they no, have to. there's, right. Yep. there's no option there's no, no option. you have to be so i guess you know and maybe another question i wanted to ask you know what is what do you think the biggest hurdle is that you think exists to the complete democratization of technologies like voice assistant tech ai etc i know we kind of talked about of course from right. the company side with amazon and google but is right. there anything else that you can think of that you think is going to be one of the biggest hurdles to overcome with democratizing this technology. So if we wanted to go to DeVos and and like really, really like lean in on the conversations that they have in, in, in that kind of rarefied um, air, right? We really, from my perspective, 
would advocate for like universal infrastructure. And this is so ironic given what you and I experienced in Chattanooga that mm-hmm. was supposed to, to be the gigabit city, man. And I'm sure so many people <laughs> got on. <laughs> um, I shouldn't have Oh my that. gosh, that, yeah. I, but, but you know, that needs to be spotlighted because it's that kind of craziness, right? And so like, why should we have ever been in a convention center that that's in a city that is why has fought tooth and nail to have gigabit gigabit access right in that region and to claim that somehow because you know but and and they do because at at some of the homes some of the residents in chattanooga people are getting one and two gigabit man right one and two gigabit but because of like business and politics right we definitely would not get one or two gigabit at the convention center right and so we need to really 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 grow up as as a species and as a human race and just like really really raise our bar and say okay like there's some infrastructure that really really should just be universal because it's just good for the entire flow of things right it's 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 not it's not a luxury it's something that makes the entire global process better so at the votes i really would would like advocate for how can we get dependable infrastructure telecom infrastructure around the world the same way that we once fought to get highways and and paved yep. roads right it's kind of like put it right there with electricity, water, and 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 telecom, because that is the utility, right, of, yep. of the next century, right. And if we can really, really keep that on the agenda, as as like a human empowerment, human rights kind of piece, not a luxury, right, not a luxury, and also not charity, right, because right. if if you bring infrastructure to the world you're bringing connection to human capital right you do you you're bringing connection to productivity right you know this this all can really really be worked out in a way that we do better with how we see each other and how we really share and how we just really really manage this planet so that we just do better it's like as a species, we just look mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. That we have like <laughs> like we do. We really do I, hey, that I, we I, have I that we have so much and we just mismanage it right in such lopsided ways that just does not make sense. Yes. And I know I'm going right up against that 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 line, right? But it just makes no sense for resources to sit siloed and stockpiled absolutely achieving nothing when they can really really be engaged in ways that generate productivity that benefits all right come on can we figure that out man like good grief (laughs) no i i think that is definitely a huge hurdle and it's it's been a pervasive one right i mean we look at all the resources we have access to, we look at all the technology we have access to, and that continues to just, no matter what it seems, 
be a pervasive problem, but at some point we have to wake up. And, and then when I say we, I, I, of course, I'm speaking for the greater of society and, and the greater of our species, kind of echoing what you said, where right. it, something's got to give at some point, because the more that all of this remains siloed, I just, I don't see any, unfortunately, I, I look into the future and I see more problems than solutions. So I agree with it's you that, that the hand has to move. And I wish, man, I wish that we could even just do compromise. Like, okay, dude, okay, y'all moving to 5G, so then let's open source 4G, right? Like, right. So even if we just, like, open source 4G, right, or even if there was an international kind of, like, protocol where white space was, like, open sourced or, you know, like, everything just cannot be corporatized. It just cannot. It's like, that just does not work, man. Yep. There needs to be a public square. There needs to be public space. There needs to be, like, you know, public IP. And, you know, like, there's enough. Man, there's enough for the corporate side to make their billions and their trillions to the cows come right. home right to the cows come home man it would just be such a small investment for us to lay a foundational layer for humanity and and that looks like electricity water utilities public good yeah right public good public good absolutely i I think that was very well said and i I agree a hundred percent with you it doesn't take much but when you do put any amount of resources or effort into fixing that problem, the, the solutions that come out of that are, are absolutely incredible. So I, I think that is insanely good and insanely good commentary that you had on that. But as we kind of wind, wind things down with, with this episode, of course, I, I always tend to ask my, my guests I have on the show this question always at the end because I just love the different I know answers that people you're give. I know it's going to ask because I already got my <laughs> dodge ready. <laughs> but uh, what, is, what is one thing that you think someone can do today to begin leveraging the power of emerging voice assistant technology or just emerging technology in general based on what we've been talking about either personally or within their organization? Right. So that, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. So it wasn't the one that I was going to die. So just like um, 25 years ago or so when I was running around, like, you know, telling people, you got to get an email account. I know that sounds just so crazy now, like, that. you know, there right. was a time when you was, people were going around saying, man, you got to get an email account, right? Like, like looking back now, it's like, wow. But I would say to people, you've got to jump in and do something simple, like experience this voice, right? You don't have to like Mm -hmm. try to do everything at once, right? But say, for example, start with your FAQs, right? Your frequently asked questions, right? Like how can that be parlayed into voice, right? So that if if your customers, your constituents, right? If they have questions, they can have a channel that they can just ask it and get an answer, right? Like, boom, Mm -hmm. like, ask Alexa, like, you know, what is, like, you know, Red Fox do for, you know, as their primary line of engagement? Boom. Like, in, in, in seconds, the answer could be there, right? But then you also open up that channel where questions can flow and you can expand your FAQ. Because if people can just open up their mouth and ask questions, right, 
perhaps you will get a lot more questions than people feeling like, oh, I got to go to their website. I got to right. pull up a form and I got to type it. Like, come on already, right? But if they just like ask the doggone question through Alexa, Google <laughs> Home or whatever, whatever is coming down the pipe, right? Try, you just start there. And from there, you can really, really look at other ways that yes. your organization, enterprise, or, or projects can can. But get on now. The same way in the mid mid nineties, we would we would tell people like, you know, I would go into like national publications and like sit down, and they'd be saying like, well, how can we make money on this thing like right now? And I would say to them. This thing is about whether you're going to be making any money right. Right, right. in the right. next 10 years, right. five years, potentially. Right, 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 right. You, can, like, you, you can't make money right away on everything. But if there's something that you don't invest in, I guarantee you what money you're making now is going to be threatened, right? Because as yep. the entire game shifts, and you over here going at 10 speed and the game has shifted to 50 speed, you're going to have a problem. Right. I mean, look, you can even, you can look at retail right now. I mean, who would have ever thought that Sears would be going bankrupt and closing stores? You know, even and, this week, Macy's announced that they're going to be closing right, stores. Right, 100 stores, man. Yeah. Yeah, this thing has like disrupted, right? And, and the disruption is only getting, getting started, man. Right, like you know, there's nowhere near peak in terms of what's down the pipe, right? So there's no need, I believe, for anyone that listens to this podcast who's like IT or information systems or you know, in charge of like plotting technology, um, future of an enterprise, whether it's a kitchen table enterprise or whether it's a fraternal organization or college organization, jump in, you know, do something simple. Take the FAQ, get it turned into an Alexa skill and a Google action and, and learn from that. See how people respond to it. Put your toe in the water and go forward from there because this thing is going forward. So the sooner you get on board and, and get acclimated and get involved, the better off. You'll be as as a professional and as you know as the organizations that you are part of, and I that think, includes churches too. I got to just yes. go in that you know absolutely little, church, you know because churches can have their own kind of FAQ. Like you know what you know, I'll, I'll just throw this in as we're jumping off. Right, one of the things that I've always kind of reflected on, and in terms of how typically sermons happen on Sunday morning. The preacher gets up, preaches the sermon, no Q&A, and just sit down and goes to the next, like, all yep. to the next order of service, okay, let's pray until we meet again, right? Hey, whoa, what happened to the question, right? So if there are some, like, brave, like, church folks that happen to listen to this podcast, right, there is something that that voice might bring to your congregational experience that, you know, there might be an Alexa skill. That when people get home, they can say, well, what did pastor mean by this part in the oh, sermon? Or, yeah, right? And so we're talking about this opening up, like, new possibilities, new, you know, synergies, right? New sinews that, that we can really, really kind of engage one another on in, in dynamic ways. 
I think that is excellent advice and definitely really like to your point, just really simple ways to just start getting your feet wet with this because truthfully it will, your business, it it will depend on, on if you're profitable or not in the next five to 10 years at minimum Um, or at most, I would say, honestly, maybe even at this point. So yeah, I I think that is excellent advice and and I challenge And here's a nugget we can share with your listeners, right? And I I think this is one of the things that was highlighted at, at Project Voice, right? It's about the experience. Yes. Right? Absolutely. And so voice, voice will enrich and deepen the consumer or constituent experience, right? In in a way that people need to really begin to appreciate now, right? And as that threshold becomes a reality, if you're not being able to keep par, why wait around and just be keeping par when you can jump in now? and be a leader and be defining, right? What the new constituent or consumer experience looks like as it's powered by voice. So I want your listeners to really keep that in mind. Bottom lines and you're being able to hold on to um, client and customer basis will definitely going forward pivot around their voice driven experience that they're having in Absolutely. I, again, another piece of, of excellent advice. I, I think every business, it, it should be their due diligence at this point to do exactly that. But Rafiki, it's, it, this has been such an incredible conversation. I mean, just learning about you and your journey and just all of your thoughts on, on so many of these different topics has been incredible. But if anybody wanted to reach out to you or get in touch with you, what are some of the best ways for them to do so? That's a great question. So my email address, the old-fashioned email, <laughs> <laughs> is rcai at friendsofthecongo.org. So that's rcai at friendsofthecongo.org. And if people just like the simple, like, you know, shoot a text, right, um, 801 801- Six one eight zero eight two four eight zero one six one eight zero eight two four. And a tip to the listeners: I love WhatsApp, and those who <laughs> who reach out to me um, via WhatsApp are likely to um, be responded to like very promptly because all the other channels I sometimes just can get swamped. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you are the first person I think I've ever had on the show who has given out their personal phone number. So that just is a (laughs) testament to how open you are and how much you believe in what you're doing because you're just open to anybody reaching out to you, which is amazing. For sure, for sure. And then I know um, before we go here, you you said there, um, we were talking a bit before the show and there was something you wanted to mention um, as well. Right. So, and, and maybe when you put this podcast up or, you know, because you have the link, right? So developers who might be in the listening audience to this podcast, right? One of the things that those of us who want to democratize voice are looking at, the different tools, resources, and avenues that we can approach that task with. And VXML, is one of those things. So just like HTML was able to really help open up 
the building of the World Wide Web by like thousands of people that once they understood like the HTML tags, right? <laughs> they could get in and, you know, like build, you know, like customize their MySpace page or whatever. So VXML is the equivalent of HTML in this voice space. And we have a tutorial, build a voice app in 30 minutes, right? That we would like for developers out there who are listening to take a read of, of the tutorial, try their hands at you know what it guides them through. And if they have any response or they would like to be a part of perfecting or adding to, contributing to, what that tutorial addresses, we'd be more than happy to, to welcome their participation in this round table of how do we build an open voice, voice world for all. And so I trust that you will provide somehow yep. that, that link. Great, great. That'd be a good thing. Absolutely. I will definitely make sure to stick that in the episode notes and uh, make sure people have access to that because I, I know we even talked and we've been kind of taking a look at that as well to try and give you some feedback and it, it's super fascinating. So definitely if, if you are someone who's more on the development end who could help Rafiki out and, and review that documentation and provide some commentary, he would appreciate it so much and, and I'll make sure to get that info. But again, Rafiki, this was such an amazing conversation. We had a ball, man. We yes, we did. <laughs> we did. I can't wait to get this episode live and I'm so excited for to be able to share it with with the listeners and, and anybody else who's just interested in, in technology in this space because you, you're doing some incredible work. And I want to thank you though, Nick. I want to thank you for how you're standing in the world, man, and your open mind and your open heart, your open spirit, right? Because this conversation would not be going on if it were not for that openness, you know, your open hand and the open conversation. And we have to really, really encourage one another and appreciate one another when we encounter that kind of goodness in the mm -hmm. world because we need more of it. And so if we want more of it, we need to appreciate and, and, and encourage that which we already have. So I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for how you stand in the world. Well, thank, thank you. you. I, I appreciate that. That's kind of always been our goal at this podcast is simply just to educate people and help people understand, you know, originally the design was for AI and voice, but as we've kind of moved through, gosh, Rome, we're definitely, we're past 30 episodes now going on 40, you know, all emerging tech is going to change our lives from AI to blockchain to IOT to so many different things. So our goal has definitely shifted to just really help educate and, and bring some amazing people like yourself to the forefront to, to tell people about the opportunities with this. So I appreciate that. And, and thank you so much again for taking the time and, and I can't wait to chat soon. For sure. And people can also hit me on LinkedIn. That's the other thing. <laughs> yes, LinkedIn. On, He's very responsible on LinkedIn. Right. So that's Rafiki Kai. That's R-A-F as in first, I-K-I, -I, like Rafiki and the Lion King, although I get no royalties from Disney. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and the surname is C-A-I. So just nine letters, R-A-F-I-K-I. C-A-I on LinkedIn. You'll find me. I'm the only Rafiki Kai on LinkedIn, I assure you. So <laughs> that's another way to reach out. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, we'll chat soon. Thanks so much again. All right. Thank you for having me, Nick. Be well. 
Artificial intelligence. Voice recognition. Machine learning. Robot. You've been listening to the Artificial Podcast with your host Nick Myers. Nick Myers. To stay up to date with all our latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. To learn more about how your organization can benefit by unlocking the power of AI and voice, visit www.redfox-ai.com. Until next time.